This morning, um, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians 4. We're going to be picking it up in verses 4 through 6 and uh, continuing on from there. Uh, This morning, continuing where we left off last week, and uh, we'll go ahead and open in a word of prayer and then get started. Father, thank you for today. I thank you for your love for us again, and I thank you for, uh, Lord, being able to look at uh, a sinful uh, world, Lord, a fallen world, and know that not only there's only one way that, that we can be restored, but Lord, completely willing to provide everything that we need for that restoration, for us to live a holy life, um, Lord, for us to be able to know um, that, we can, that we can receive the promises that you have, that you have made by just surrendering and and letting you guide us and letting you show us how to live for you and i thank you in christ's name help us to do that over these next weeks to demonstrate your love um, to have conversations with people about why we celebrate christmas um, because we've let it get to be something that's everything other than your birth and the reason why you came so, Father, I pray that you would help us to, to be bold as well as loving and compassionate when we do uh, have those conversations. And I thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right. Did you get a piece of paper from Larry when you came past? That's one there. Thank you. This is continuing from last week. I don't know if you have last week's with you or not. Uh, if you don't, we have another one of those too. Here's no from last week. So we're going to pick it up right about here. Okay. All right. So last week, um, the conversation and the teaching that we were having in out of chapter four in First uh, Thessalonians. We'll pick it up in verse 3 as we read, and we'll read through verse 12. He says, It's God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lusts like the pagans who do not know God, and that in this matter no one should wrong or take advantage of a brother or sister the lord will punish all those who commit such sins as we told you and warned you before for god did not call us to be impure but to live a holy life therefore anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject a human being but god the very god who gives you his holy spirit uh strong words right there um verse nine Now about your love for one another, we do not need to write to you, for you yourselves have been taught by God to love each other. And in fact, you do love all of God's family throughout Macedonia. Yet we urge you, brothers and sisters, to do this, to do so more and more and to make your ambition to lead and make it your ambition to lead a quiet life. You should mind your own business and work with your hands just as we told you so that your daily life may win the respect of outsiders and so that you will not be dependent on anyone. Um, So last week, 
where we stopped in the middle of the, the second page of your notes, um, this, the same truth is, is emphasized in the positive. So I want to just ask a simple question. Is it our nature to exercise self-control? Does it come naturally? Okay. So it's a learned behavior, and it's a... Okay. So when, when you say what comes naturally, or when you use what is our nature, it's a dog's nature to bark when somebody comes to the door. <laughs> and Larry's like, yeah, I got to tell him to be quiet all the time, you know. Uh, it's, it's a fish's nature to stay in the water and swim. Uh, and these are simple things that we know and understand. We're born into a flesh nature. We're born into a sin nature. So it's natural from childhood, you know, and, and you guys can attest to this. Uh, do you have to teach a child to be selfish? No, you don't. They, they somehow or another, it's just, they just know, you know, to me, it's all about me. I want, you know, um, I, I had somebody, I had somebody tell me this one time that when a baby cries, you know, it's, it's natural for a mother to, oh, and coddle, you know, and, and even, and even dads as well. And men, it's natural to want to, uh, satisfy whatever is causing that child to be uncomfortable and I heard somebody put it this way that if that one-year-old child could talk they would be ripping you a new one up one side and down the other uh, no 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 not this precious little child yeah because it's it's the Bible tells us that it's in our nature when we are born to do those things to be selfish to to fill that you know take care of that hunger pain take care of that dirty diaper take care of that whatever uh, that tooth that's coming in and it's just, oh, it's hurting. And um, that's all that they are able to think about. They're not able to put somebody else first. They're not able to say, Mom, I'm so sorry I had you up in the middle of the night when I was sick. You know, you, know, you don't hear a child say that, right? <laughs> Mom, I'm sorry you have to get up and feed me at, at 3 a.m., you know, because I'm hungry again. Uh, it's, it's the nature of a person to be selfish, uh, until it's taught. So it's important that he tells us uh, in verses 4 through 6 here that we should learn to control your own body. He's talking about the, the, body's, the body's desires for pleasure, for satisfaction, and, for, and, and so there are things that are designed. Of course, we know that the design of, of physical intimacy is uh, is for the purpose of a man and a woman inside the bounds of marriage. And, and I, I made a comment a few weeks ago that it's, that it's, and I don't mean to embarrass anybody again, but it's not designed to be safe. You know, there, there's different places where people will, will talk about safe sex, make sure you're using protection, make sure you're doing, it's not designed to be that way. God designed it so that when you get married, you get married to the one that he has for you, that the two of you are following Christ and you're on the same road and you become one. And then it's designed for both of you to in, be involved in. Um, and there's multiple purposes for that. We're not going to go into that any, you know, right now today, um, but 
he describes in um, 1 Corinthians 7, we can turn there just for a moment. We're not going to read the whole chapter, but I would encourage you, if you haven't read the whole chapter, to go home and read the whole chapter of 1 Corinthians 7. And uh, if we start at the verse 1, he says, Now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. Does this mean every man should not get married and have relationship with his wife? Is that what that's saying? So when you read the verse, now for the matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to have sexual relations with a woman. So Paul is saying... A man and a woman, right. Right, so they're telling Paul, we want to exercise celibacy. That's what, he, that's what they're really saying. Married and unmarried, that's what they're trying to do. That's what they're attempting to accomplish. So when we go on, he says, but since sexual immorality is occurring, each man should have sexual relations with his own wife and each woman with her own husband. The husband should fulfill his marital duty to his wife and likewise a wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but yields it to her husband in the same way the husband does not have authority over his own body, but yields it to his wife. Do not deprive each other except perhaps by mutual consent and for a time so that you may devote yourselves to prayer. Then come together again so that Satan will not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. There's that word again, self-control. He says, I say this as a concession, not as a command. I wish all of you were as I am. For each of you has your own gift from God. One has the gift, has this gift, and another has that. So what he's describing here, Paul has the gift of celibacy and what he is saying here is not everybody has that gift and so when um when it comes to a place where there is abstinence he said there may be so when he says i say this as a concession not a command what he's saying is uh, is the concession is that there may be a time where you exercise celibacy but three things have to be in place when you do that one is it's for a purpose and it's it's for the purpose of prayer it's for the purpose of going before god with something that is that is very deep that is very important a spiritual concern the second one i'm going backwards so the last one was for prayer the second one is for a time so if you if you go back to the first one mutual consent means you both agree that you should for the purpose of prayer. And when it says for a time, it, ha it should be established. So, okay, okay, you and I, honey, we're going to, we're going to abstain for the purpose of prayer. Um, and it's going to be for this long. It's going to be for one week. It's going to be till Friday or it's going to be till Tuesday. So that both of you have a date and a time to look forward to, to say, okay, this is when we've both agreed that this is going to end so that we're not tempted. Okay? Because what he says here, Satan is good at what he does, and the reason why immorality is happening is because in the marriage, intimacy is not 
on, you, they're both not on the same page with that. And so, and some of the people are actually going, okay, we're married, and they've been having regular relations with each other, and then all of a sudden Paul comes along and he's celibate, and they're going, whoa, we need to be celibate. And one of them goes, wait a minute, I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> and so that's what's happening. And there's, there's a, in Corinth, there is that, that trial, that struggle in marriage, and now all of a sudden people are getting into immorality because the temptation is too strong. And it's difficult. You look like you want to say something. Right, right. And they have the, Peter was married. And so they have the right to, every apostle has the right to, but Paul in this one is saying, I chose not to because I have the gift. Why do certain churches? <laughs> Right, right, exactly. So what it is, is it becomes a works-based faith where they're looking at what Paul did and say, you know what, I want to have a higher level of faith, so I am going to be celibate. And what it ends up happening is they end up falling. And they all end up bringing reproach on the church because, uh, because they're putting their they're the power in themselves rather than in what God has called them to do. Right. 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 Right, and not only that, is it's mutual consent. So within marriage, if, if you say, you know, in the case when you, when you get married, if you go to your spouse and you say, I think we need to abstain for a week or a month or however long for the purpose of prayer, and she says, I don't know if I can do that. That's not mutual consent anymore. So then you turn to, to God and you pray for her, first of all, um, and then at the same time, you continue to fulfill those needs, and if it's if it's a fast type prayer, turn to food, and you say, "Okay, I'm going to give, I'm going to, I'm going to abstain from food, or you know, something like that." And right, right, absolutely, yeah. So, um, anyway. Why, why this is a significant passage, it continues to go on. You know, it talks about if you're engaged to be married, if you're, if you're already married, continue in the, the place that God has put you already. Uh, he also goes on to say that if, that if you and your spouse love each other so much and you're both on that same path, and I always want to back up when I'm, when I'm teaching on this to to give the instruction to make sure that the attraction is spiritual and not just physical. Uh, because in today's day and age, um, <clears throat> how do people found, find a spouse today? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's true, you know? Yeah. Right. 
Right. So it's easy to be physically attracted first. And, and the instruction that's given in the Bible on how to search for, you know, or not even necessarily that we should be searching for a spouse, but that if you're in a place and you're realizing that there's someone there that is following Christ and, and that should be the, the attraction to another, if you're a believer, the attraction to the other person should be because of their, their character and their integrity and their beliefs and how they carry themselves, how they respond to sin, how they respond to serving others. Those should be the attractions that draw you to the, to the other person more so than their appearance because you're going to think that they're beautiful on the outside anyway if those things are in place you know so if you read proverbs 31 um, uh, beauty is is fleeting uh, but a woman who fears the lord is to be praised and it goes you know it goes through a number of things that a godly woman looks like uh, what she does it has nothing to do with her physical appearance as a matter of fact the instruction is women dress down a little bit, <laughs> you know, uh, don't put a lot of emphasis on your hair and your clothes and your jewelry and things like that. And, and I can remember days when we were in the car on the way to church as a child and my, my mom is in it. She's got the mirror down and she's fixing her hair. And she's ah, 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 it's a bad hair day, you know, <laughs> and, uh, you know, she wants to look good. When she gets to church because she wants to present herself as her best but the bible teaches that that shouldn't be what people see in you that draw them to you it should be your character so anyway um going on to titus chapter two i cut it off just like this yeah so yeah i gave up on my hair a long time ago because it wasn't uh not only was it not doing what I wanted it to, it just wouldn't grow anymore. So when it gets to that point, well, what do you do? You know, um, it's, it's growing in all the wrong places. I have to, from time to time, I ask my wife, check my ears, would you get in there and get in there and get that stuff out of there? It looks like a bush, you know. Um, Titus 2. Uh, I'm going the wrong way. After Thessalonians, after Timothy, he used to have long I did. Yeah, yeah. I, you want to see a picture? You know who Joe Dirt is? Anybody know Joe Dirt? Yeah. That, that I had the Joe Dirt haircut when I was a. Yeah. Joe Dirt. It's a it's a movie. It's not. It's not. It's a waste. Yeah, it's a waste of time. So don't watch it. But, yeah. But anyway, that's the haircut that I had. So that's one that people would know and would be able to relate to. Anyway, Titus 2, and uh, if we look at verses 11 through 13, um, this is a very good uh, evangelism passage uh, because it gives clarity to what God expects out of grace when it's given to us he says for the grace of god has appeared that offers salvation to all people it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope 
the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good. And so we see that expression as well in 1 Thessalonians 4, purification. Purification happens through being sanctified or being set apart to do God's work. Um, and that's what he's drawing us to. Uh, holiness is a form of purification. So if we look at, at verses 1 through 8 in the same chapter here, I've got self-controlled underlined three times in chapter 2, verses 1 through 8. He says, You, however, must teach what is appropriate to sound doctrine. Teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and endurance. Likewise, teach the older women to be reverent in the way they live, not to be slanderers or addicted to much wine, but to teach what is good. Then they can urge the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. Similarly, encourage the young men to be self-controlled. In everything, set them an example by doing what is good. In your teaching, show integrity, seriousness, and soundness of speech that cannot be condemned so that those who oppose you may be ashamed because they have nothing bad to say about us. So there's something in here that is also in 1 Thessalonians 4 when we get to, uh, I think it's verses 12... Yeah, in verses 9 through 12. Here it's instructed to the women in verse 5, be self-controlled and pure, busy at home, to be kind and to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the truth, malign the word of God. I want to ask this one question, and this is like uh, throwing a piece of raw meat to piranhas here. So I'm going to step back when I say this. Who works harder, men or women? Well, yeah, you could say women now because, <laughs> because you were. <laughs> that is true. <laughs> exactly. Okay. Right. So culture today. Right, right. Well, Wayne, you often... You often reference that you don't work out in the world like, like some of us still do because you're retired. I would say that you work just as hard now than what you did then because you spend time studying the Word, studying the Scripture, and like you showed up at my shop this week and just talked to me for a little while. I appreciated that. And there's times when I, I think to myself, man, you know what, let's see, I got well, 10 more years. Man, pretty soon I'll be able to retire, and I want to do that. <laughs> you know, because that's, because that's my heart, um, and, and that's my passion. And so part of the reason why I've, I've kind of drawn into Jim's teaching on making the calendar for my day, uh, I, I got to be honest, I don't do it faithfully every week, but there are times when I go, man, I'm just really busy, 
And I go, it's because I didn't put it down on paper what I wanted to do, what I needed to do with purpose and intention. I didn't put it down on paper. So then I go back to that and I sit down and I write it out. And I find that I have more time when I do that. But um, you're just by the actions that that some of the other men in our church do, they do teach me how to be uh, more self-controlled. They do teach me how to, and, and when I'm faced with temptations like this, I find that once that temptation has been dealt with properly and is overcome, all of a sudden, here's the opportunity for you to be used. Okay? Mm-hmm. And, and I failed at that, but one of the things I did learn is before God brought her into my life, I, I, I come home from work one night, and I just kind of fell down in the kitchen floor, I had my own house, and I said, Lord, I don't want to go alone. I said, I want to get married, but it's going to be the Lady of Guilt Road from now on. Right. 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 And I would agree with that. We want God to do things, but we want to do them. We want Him to do them without any requirements from us. Okay. You know, um, we want Him to just supernaturally wave His magic wand, and and we say, "Here's our shopping list, Lord. When you fill this, then I'll consider following you with my life." And He and He says, "It don't work that way." You follow me with your life, and then I will make your will conform with mine. And uh, so, but anyway, um, I appreciate the the things that the men in our church um, do. And we looked at last week, we looked at Genesis 39, and we looked at Job 31. Job 31.1 says, I have made a covenant with my eyes not to look lustfully on a woman. Um, and... He he. This is a this is a resolve, or a a commitment that Job makes long before a beautiful woman ever passes in front of him. They do. <clears throat> right. So self control. So when you make a covenant with your eyes, you know. Uh, Jim mentioned the passage last week that um, I forget where it's at is in Matthew, but if he said the Jesus tells his disciples, if your eye causes you to sin, gouge it out. Uh, is it really your eye that causes you to sin? It, it's your mind. It's your thought process. It's, it's not making the decision ahead of time. So when I was in driver's ed, um, I was taught when you're driving down the road, always look for the way of escape. Always look for if so, if somebody, what's that? They never said that. I was taught that if something happens where you are not going to be able to stop, to get, to have your eyes kind of looking at your surroundings, and have a way to avoid a collision, have a path of escape from the collision. The same is true in your spiritual life. You know what your struggles are. You know what your temptations are. And you know where to stay away from. Um, but there's a, and another passage, I can't think of it 
right now, but there's a passage in Scripture that says that there is pleasure in sin for a season, for a little while. But then the consequences come. Uh, then the judgment comes, and we're going to talk more about that. Paul describes that in 1 Thessalonians 4. Uh, last week we read this last uh, paragraph uh, on your notes. So if you want to grab the next page real quick and turn back to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And it says, in the, I, I put down here in the previous verses, we see the importance of sexual purity for the sake of the individual Christian. Now, in verse 6, the appeal is for the sake of the other person or persons involved in the immoral act. So sexual immorality uh, wrongs the partner in the forbidden act by act involving them in behavior contrary to God's will and therefore are under his judgment. Two or more practicing intercourse or sex outside of God's will are calling God's wrath down on themselves. Okay, so look at Hebrews 11. And this is where these, these next couple of verses describe this. And please understand that this is not for the purpose of saying, you know, that we need to be um, without any kind of pleasure, without any kind of joy completely, but within the bounds of what God has orchestrated. So the desire is not to... Um, not to take things away from people, but to help people understand that there is, there is judgment for doing it out the wrong way, and there is reward for doing it the way God instructs us. So Hebrews 11.4 says, uh, did I ever put the right verse down? No, that's not the right passage. <laughs> no. Um, hmm. Well, what's that? It's about um, God's judgment coming on those who are disobedient. And I think the verse is right, the chapter is just wrong. What's that? That's it. Yeah, chapter 10, verse 4. Uh, no, that's not it either. <laughs> um, give me just a second. I'll think of it. I'm sorry, 10 verses 30 and 31 maybe. Maybe that's it. That's, yeah, I don't know where I came up with that. Um, so he says, For we know him who said, It is mine to avenge, and I will repay. And again, the Lord will judge his people. And it's a dreadful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Um, there, and there is another verse in there, and I, I, I'll find it. Uh, and let you know what it was. But it's, there's another one in Hebrews that talks about the judgment of God coming. Um, anyway, uh, 
this other one, 1 Corinthians 6, verses 9 and 10, are talk about the same thing. Yeah. Those are yeah, those are the ones we just read. Uh first Corinthians six, nine, and ten. Um he says, Or do you not know that wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither the sexually immoral, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanderers, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. And that's what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So if we're 90% in that list, are we going to heaven? No. So it's easy to read through that and go, well, if I judge on the scale of my school teachers, I got a B plus. I'm doing pretty good. And he's describing that if there's any one of these that we still are not surrendering to him, not, not that it isn't a struggle because it's always going to be a struggle, but if there's one of those things that we don't surrender to him and say, Lord, I'm going to give you this, and I'm putting things in place ahead of time so that I don't fall to these sins and get to that point and, and move in that direction, moving closer to God in that, in that uh, struggle. Then he says that there is no inheritance in the kingdom of God. And, and he loves us so much to make sure that we know and understand that before the time comes of judgment. And so a lot of people will look at this and go, wow, he's kind of he's rigid, isn't he? God's kind of strict. No, God is loving because he wants you to know and understand to rescue us from the consequence. He wants us to know and understand what the consequences are for disobedience. So Romans 6.23a, does anybody know that verse? Romans 6.23 for the wages of sin is death. In other words, there's a price for every sin that we uh, there's a price for every sin that we commit. Jesus paid it because the second part of that verse says, the gift of God is eternal life. How do you obtain that gift from God? Right. Right, and so when you get into chapter 12, therefore, um, offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. Uh, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, and then you will be able to test and prove what God's will is. And sometimes we just don't want to put the effort into it. We don't want to put the time into it. Why? Back to the beginning of class, because we're naturally selfish. We naturally want to just please ourselves. Can I just take a break? <laughs> you know? Um, <laughs> the wife is to take care of that for you. It's 
could have wanted to preach and help the wife see the struggle in there. She that's like she didn't care about what she needed. Not struggling with it, right? <coughs> that is correct. Okay. So yeah. Yes. She is there to help you with that. Um, by the <laughs> but right so in in every question like that there's always a self-examination so am I examining myself saying am I being the godly man for my wife so and and, and when you bring that up I forgot to mention this earlier uh, I grew up I well I grew up in a culture because this is and I see this in people you know from time to time, in men especially. Men, it's, it's common, and, and, and the culture that I grew up in, it was common for dad to come home, dinner's on the table, he kicks his boots off, sits down in the chair, I've worked hard today, and that's why I asked the question earlier, who works harder, men or women? Because dad comes home, sits down in the chair, and my mom would serve him. You know, mom would, she had dinner ready, once dinner was done, the dishes got done, and when the kids were old enough, mom was kind of in charge of, okay, you child, you child, you clear the table, you do the dishes, you dry, you put away, blah, blah, blah. And, and that's the way, that was the structure of the home when I was growing up. And I don't look at that and say, if that works in your home, that's so, that it's sin. If it works in your home, great. Um, I hope that I've been the example for my wife that, when I'm at work, she is the house manager. She is taking care of, when our kids were young, she homeschooled, she taught, uh, she instructed them on how to make sure that if, when you clean the bathroom, you know what, uh, it better be clean or you're doing it again. If you like doing it, just leave it a little messy. You can practice, you know. Uh, <laughs> you know, and that kind of thing. Sweep them off the floor. If there's still a little dust in the corner, whatever, you know, okay, well, you're going to do it again. And so she had to deal with that all the time while I was at work. And then when I got home, uh, I wasn't there to come home and kick my shoes off and relax. I was, when I walked in the door, I learned early on, I would walk in the door and she'd be cooking dinner when our kids were real little. I'd walk in the door and she'd be cooking dinner. And I, hi, honey, good to see you. And you know, she, she was like this. And I'm not saying I have to say bad against her. Finally, I sat down with her and I said, what is it you need when I get home? She says, take these boys and get out of the kitchen. That's, that's just what I need. Okay. You know what? My wife was so much nicer and pleasant to be around when I walked in. Hey, honey, good to see you. I'm going to take the kids and we're going to go outside for half an hour. Call us when dinner's ready. And when we sat down and she'd get a break and she could, she would work and I would work, you know, and just spend some time with my kids. And she would get to cook dinner undistracted. And we'd all sit down to dinner. And it was pleasant. And it was, it was good. Um, and so, you know, she didn't have the distraction. I came in to do what I could do. And she was working full time at the same time. So, and we didn't have much. I mean, this woman could pull out a, a meal out of nothing. And I didn't know how she did it. Uh, you know, until I watched her sometimes. But she could take, you know, a little bit of hamburger and a little bit of macaroni, and all of a sudden we had a can of vegetables and, and we had a, a good meal on the table for all of us, and we had leftovers. And so, anyway, what I, what I say is that men, for you guys at the end of the workday, 
the work doesn't stop if you ha if you have a family well even if you don't have a family because you're still looking forward to sunday morning you're still looking forward to how can i be a blessing of jesus christ to the people that are around me and so if you look at the apostles paul timothy the women uh, you don't read much about the women in Paul's letters, but what little you do read in Acts, the women were doing the work to provide the income so that the men could study the Scripture and be evangelists, plant churches. So they were working just as hard, if not harder, to make sure that the, guys, the men could do what they needed to do. When that wasn't available, the men went and got a job. They went to work, and when they got home from work, they sat down, and they ate a little bit, and then they were studying and preaching the gospel until their eyes wouldn't stay <laughs> open anymore. Um, so anyway, I say all that because in First and Second Thessalonians, there's two places where it says it, that everybody should be busy with their hands. And in Ephesians 4.28, it says to work hard with your hands. Why? so that you have something to give when there's somebody in need. Have you ever come across uh, somebody who has a need in your life and all of a sudden your, your heart just goes out to them and you go, man, I wish I had something I could give them and you don't have it. And I believe it's in James um, where he's, he says that when you ask, you don't receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you can spend what you get on yourself. So if our motive is correct for when we ask, there's, there's times when I've prayed, Lord, I want to be debt-free so that I can give more. And every time that I was sincere about that, God has helped me to get to that place. When I start getting lazy and I start going into the store and start looking at things going, wow, I'd like to have that. You know what? I think I've got some money in my pocket. Yeah. I think I'm going to buy that. The money's gone. An opportunity is in front of me, and I go, ah, I blew it. I should have left that because I didn't need it. I just wanted it, you know. So I don't say that to say that it's wrong to have nice things or anything like that, but if our motive is selfishness, then then that's, that's going to be the end. That's going to be the end result. So um, the truth is, that God always judges sin is a basic Christian cru truth that Paul taught the Thessalonian people and he warned them about when he was in Thessalonica. So uh, back in 1 Thessalonians, I'll just, we'll just read through 7 and 8 real quickly here. He says, For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, anyone who rejects this instruction does not reject human being, a human being, but God, the very God who gives you his Holy Spirit. Um, what we'll do is I'm going to go ahead and stop right there. Um, and next week, we'll look at Hebrews 12. We'll look at First Peter and Second Thessalonians, and we'll continue on. Um, and take a look at these when you're at home uh, and read, look at 9 through 12 as well. Uh, love for one another. You'll see that word Philadelphia um, is, a, is a kind of love that even outside of the New 
New Testament outside of the Bible is a love that's described between a parent and a child. Um, it's, a, it's a very powerful kind of love that's described there. Um, and it always includes in the Bible how we should act toward fellow believers. Thank you for your attention this morning.